Northwest Church of Christ's weekly Zoom meet, meeting, uh, corp, designated corporate worship time. Uh, this is the Lake Extension of the Northwest Church of Christ coming to you live. Uh, I want to welcome my children and wife, and uh, <laughs> who are who are not with me, and uh, specifically Frank. Franco and Sandra, I saw you guys. That is so cool that you're in Italy and I'm in Oklahoma uh, at the lake and we're together. I, I just think that's awesome. Um, love you, miss you. Welcome to, to church service. I'm thinking, I'm thinking this morning 
you know, I'm here with my buddies at the lake, right? Hi, buddies. There are buddies. And, and what I'm thinking about is all the unrest happening in the world today. What does, what does the lake have to say about, about all this? And, and what I want to bring to you this morning to get, to get our hearts and minds ready for the worship that we're going to do together is, you know, when a bunch of guys get together, we solve all the world's problems, right? We all, we all talk about what our opinions are. We sharpen one another, uh, strengthen, strengthen each other, make the other tell us, why do you think the way you think? And that's, you know, that's really important right now. There's just so much happening in the world. And I think the lake brings perspective. You come to the lake and the water's calm and you clear your mind and you listen. And Kent's going to bring it today. Uh, anybody that knows Kent and saw the saw the summary of what we're going to talk about today, like he's going to bring it. And that's that's something that we need to pay attention to. It's something that we need to talk about. It's something that we need to listen to hear God's word about. So I'm glad we all get to do that together. Uh, my brothers and sisters, I love you guys. I love you so much. I, I'm so thankful to be a part of the Northwest Church of Christ. I'm, uh, I'm ready, to, ready to worship with you all today. Take it away. Let's pray together. Father, we love you for caring for us. We thank you for holding our hand as we go through life. We thank you for the opportunity to be together as your children today to share this with each other. Father, as our creator, we're grateful for this beautiful Lord's Day. Thank you that you made us to be able to create things like the internet and Zoom so that we can spend this time together. We ask that you continue as our Lord and King to intervene in the events that are happening in the world today, including the virus and the unrest, the continued anger and um, frustration that so many people have and uh, hate and disagreements. We ask that you, uh, our Lord and King, that we worship you today, knowing that you have our best interest at hearts. Mm -hmm. and you want us to listen to you and be the kind of people that you want us to be. Father, we thank you for the opportunity now to worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Morning, I'm going to be reading from John chapter 14, verses 12 through 21. <clears throat> Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will, be do, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him, 
But you know him, for he lives with you, and you will be in, and with you, and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you will also live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and follow myself to them, or show myself to them.
You're ready, Jimmy. I'm ready when you want me to be, yes. Uh, good morning. What a wonderful thing it is for us to be a part of the loving family of Christians. And as we think about the communion now, I want to take us back to uh, an Old Testament passage. In fact, the first five books of the Old Testament is just chuck full of very uh, specific, laborious instructions from God to Israel as to how they should deal with their sin. And uh, I realize that we're not under those rules and regulations. However, by just uh, studying those things, it might give us an appreciation for what the Lord has asked us to do, which is also very important. So I'm going to read from Numbers, just a few excerpts from Numbers chapter 29 to give us a feel for what, um, first of all, sin is very important to, to God that man deals with it. And uh, this is going to show the importance that God places upon our dealing with our sin. I'm reading from Numbers 29, beginning with verse 2. And you shall offer burnt offering as a soothing aroma to the Lord, one bull, one ram, and seven male lambs, one year old without defect. Also their grain offering, fine flour mixed with oil, three tenths of an ephah for the bull. And an ephah would be approximately a bushel of grain two tenths for the ram and one tenth for each of the seven lambs and offer one male goat for the sin offering to make atonement for you besides the burnt offering of the new moon and its grain offering and the continual burnt offerings and its grain offering and their libations according to their ordinance uh, for a soothing aroma uh, and offering by fire of the Lord. And then on the 10th day of the seventh month, he says, uh, you shall offer one bull, one ram, seven male lambs, uh, one year old, having with them defect, and of course their grain offerings. And uh, then on verse 12, he says, on the 15th day of the seventh month, you shall have a holy convocation. And he goes on and says that the offering should be 13 bulls, two rams, 14 male lambs, one year old, uh, with, uh, without defect. Dropping down to verse 17, on the second day, uh, 12 bulls, two rams, 14 male lambs, one year old without defect, dropping down to 20. On the third day, 11 bulls, two rams, 14 male lambs, one year old without defect, verse 23. And on the fourth day, 10 bulls, two rams, 14 male lambs, one year old without defect, verse 26. On the fifth day, nine bulls, two rams, 14 male lambs, one year old, uh, verse 29, on the sixth day, eight bulls, two rams, 14 male lambs. Verse 32, on the seventh day, seven bulls, two rams, 14 male lambs, one year old without defect. Verse 35, on the eighth day, um, he says, one bull, one ram, seven male lambs, one year old without defect. Finally, verse 39, you shall present these to the Lord at your appointed times, besides your votive, that would be the, the offerings made with vows, offerings and your free will offerings for your burnt offerings and your grain offerings and your libations and your peace offerings. Now that's a lot of offerings and a whole lot of blood. And in other places, God will tell the priests what to do with that blood. As we compare what God has uh, had asked the Israelites to do with what 
uh, he has asked us to do, hopefully we'll appreciate it, but we must understand that what he asks us to do is no less important. Yes, Jesus was a one-time sacrifice for all times. However, he wants us to be reminded of our sin and how the blood of Christ has taken away our sin. We reach that as we're baptized into the death of Christ where he shed his blood and we walk daily, of course, and his blood cleanses us, 1 John 1, 7. However, he also wants us to be reminded because we have a good forgetter and uh, he wants us to be reminded every week of the fact that um, the blood of Christ and his sacrifice is dealing with our sin, our constant sin. And so it's very fitting. The emblems are uh, the unleavened bread, which is made out of uh, flour, which was ground, which lost uh, its uh, germination. You can plant flour all day long and it'll never come up wheat. And a very fitting representation of the blood of Christ, or rather the body of Christ. And then, of course, the, uh, the fruit of the vine, which is literally the blood of the grape. Um, these are to remind us that, yes, we are sinful creatures, and we, we rely on Jesus to forgive our sins, and we need to be reminded that we are Christians. And so, with those thoughts in mind, let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Our Father, what a privilege it is to be able to uh, partake of this communion service uh, to be able to take the bread which represents the body of Christ. And may we uh, do so in a right frame of mind. It's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Shall we now pray for the fruit of the vine? Our Father, thank you for the precious blood of Jesus that was shed for our sins. And as we take this uh, fruit of the vine, may we realize that it does represent blood that was not accidentally spilled, but rather on purpose, willingly shed, that we might experience the forgiveness of all of our sins. May we take this with a right a frame of mind as we think of how loving you are and how we need to rededicate ourselves constantly to you. In Christ's name we humbly pray. Amen. Thank you, Ken. You can have it now. This is fun today as we kind of continue gathering here for our Zoom service. Uh, saw one of our youngest participants on their own screen today was Connor Kirsch. And so that's kind of fun having Connor here. Uh, beginning with Lee on the lake with others. 
Um, Dale is in Glacier National Park. So he's traveled a long ways via the internet to be here today. And, and the, Jim and my Odin are, of course, in San Francisco. I've got a sneaking suspicion they might not actually be there. Uh, but that's okay. Uh, but at the same time, Sandra and Franco are joining us actually from Italy. And so what a gift it is to have them here again today. Benvenuto, Sandra, and Franco, good friends of the Matthews family from many years back. Um, if you've ever been at Northwest and, and Dennis begins a prayer in Italian in solidarity and reminding us that we have brothers and sisters worshiping with us around the world in different ways, um, it's a reminder of them and their family in Italy. And so to have them joining us as we are experiencing that isolation, even in our homes and as we do it in community together, um, is kind of neat. Now, we've also got the, the Brits, Rodney and, and Paula are, are kind of visiting here with us today. And I just want to point out that, that we were meeting at the building until I let Rodney preach for one week, and he kind of broke everything. And so he's here today. Uh, we're going back to the building this afternoon. We'll see if he can turn it around. Maybe he'll bookend this time for us with his presence. Um, and he's muted right now, so he can't say anything back. This is so great. Um, just up the road from the Brits are, are my grandparents, Ann and Clint, who are also here this morning. So this is such a neat opportunity to be able to bring brothers and sisters from around the world and around the country and, and our extended family at Northwest to join with us to take communion and fellowship with one another. Uh, it really is a blessing. And we've been talking for the last three weeks about the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, because so often we think about the Holy Spirit making uh, its appearance at Pentecost, that the Holy Spirit shows up in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost, and that that's the beginning of the Holy Spirit's entrance into the world and into Scripture and into the story of the church and the people of faith. Um, and it's appropriate to be talking about it today on what many Christ Christians celebrate as Pentecost Sunday, uh, this Sunday that is the closest to being 50 days after the resurrection is when the apostles would have stood up and had the Spirit come on them and give them tongues like fire, and they would have spoken in languages, which I had the ability to do today because Italian would be so fun, um, but we don't. Uh, and so we celebrate what God did through them. But that wasn't where the Holy Spirit came onto the scene for the first time. The Holy Spirit is, is described over and over again in the pages of the Hebrew scriptures and of the Old Testament, where even in the very beginning, where it talks about uh, that in the beginning, uh, the Spirit of God hovered above the waters as God begins the work of speaking through his very word, the word that John tells us is, in fact, some way Jesus uh, present in the creation and the Spirit hovering above the waters, uh, that there is this idea as Lee kind of introduced us this morning, this idea of the stillness above the waters that brings calm over chaos, that that is part of how the creation begins, with the Spirit bringing order to the chaos of the creation as God speaks it into existence. And so the Holy Spirit is there from the beginning. And we've talked about how there's this uh, fascinating dynamic of the Hebrew word ruach, Ruach that, that echoes through all of these passages about the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. And the word is so uh, interesting and rich because it really has three meanings. It means both breath and wind and spirit. And we've been looking at these passages from the Old Testament for the past three weeks. And this is our last Sunday of doing that. 
uh, and as we think about what it means for God's breath and wind and spirit to show up in the world and show up in the creation, and what we see is that when the spirit, the wind of God shows up, that things change. Things are not left the same. We talked about how there's a role that this, the Ruach of God played in the creation, that there's a role of, of the Ruach of God in the ongoing sustaining and maintenance of the world, that the world is held in ongoing existence through the ongoing sustaining life-giving force of the breath and spirit of God. That there's a number of Psalms that we looked at last week that show that, that when someone has their Ruach snuffed out, that they no longer live that this idea of spirit and breath is given by God and can be taken by God. And it is, it is ongoingly given to us by God's presence and dwelling with us and in us. And today we need to, to finish looking up at a number of texts that show us other things that the spirit of God has done in the creation and in the lives of God's people for thousands and thousands of years for millennia leading up to Pentecost, that the Spirit is not showing up saying, here's a new thing that has never been like anything else before, showing up in Acts chapter 2, so watch out, things are like they've never been. Now granted, what happens in Acts chapter 2 is different than anything that the Spirit had ever done before, and from that point on what we see is that the Spirit becomes very personal where it had previously been impersonal, and where the Spirit was once showing up uh, on its own and in mysterious and often confusing ways that now the Spirit dwells within those who are in Christ by being coming into Him through faith and baptism, that, that you get the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. You don't go to the temple to interact with God anymore, and thank God for that because we're all so remote these days. But God is with you everywhere you go, and God is inside of you, and through His Spirit is giving you fruit love, joy, peace, patience. He's giving you the virtues of God. The Spirit is, is doing the work of guiding and leading you, and the Spirit is God's presence within us, and it brings us into God's presence without having to go to the temple where God dwells, because God dwells in us. The Spirit then gives us gifts and abilities that we need to use, but the Spirit also gives us a prophetic voice. We're going to be looking at these passages today, and I'm going to talk about what it means for Christians during the difficult time, what has been described uh, today during uh, our service as a time of unrest, um, but that really needs to be considered as a time of uh, rampant injustice in our world, that, that there's a need for Christians to speak with the prophetic voice that the Spirit gives us and should be burning on our tongues to label that which is evil as evil. But I want to get into these scriptures. We're going to, that's where we're headed, but we need to get there uh, in order. Uh, so let me, I want to share uh, these scriptures with you. So I'm going to jump into uh, PowerPoint here. The Ruach, the breath, wind, and spirit of God. Psalm 51, verse 10 through 13 says, Create in me a pure heart, O God and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit. The famous 
song that I grew up listening. I think Rodney actually recorded on this one. Uh, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast ruach within me. You kind of get a sense that they didn't use that word because it doesn't quite roll off the tongue as cleanly as spirit. But this idea in Psalm that there is this connection in that middle phrase there, do not, that middle verse, do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Uh, that in, in Hebrew poetry, which is Psalm certainly is, uh, you repeat a line in, in two different ways. And when you repeat it, there's a similarity of concepts. So God's presence is equivalent and identical to the Holy Spirit being with me. God's presence is identical to the Holy Spirit being with me. So if the Spirit were to leave, God's presence would be removed. And so we see that the Holy Spirit brings to us and has always brought to the people of God the presence of God. Same idea is in Psalm 139 and verse 7, which says, Where can I go from your Spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? The simple repetition of the poetic line there shows that the removal of the Spirit is the removal of the presence. And if the removal of the Spirit is the removal of the presence, then the inverse and opposite is also true. That when the Spirit shows up, the presence of God is with us. What a blessing it is in times like this where it's easy to feel isolated and alone and withdrawn and anxious to know that when God's Spirit is with us, we are in His presence and He is present in us. But it's not just a matter of being in the same room. Because over and over again in the Old Testament, what we see is there's this expectation that when the Spirit shows up, that the Spirit will guide and the Spirit will lead and the Spirit will send. So in Psalm 143 and verse 10 the psalmist writes, teach me to do your will, and may your good spirit lead me on level ground. Wouldn't it make sense for the good wind or the good breath of God to lead us on level ground, but there is this idea that the psalmist says, God, teach me to do what you would have me to do, and let your ruach, your spirit, lead me. Let your spirit guide me. Let your spirit draw me in the direction that I need to go. And there's this implication there of, of doing the will. Not only should the spirit reveal the direction that we ought to go and set a path before our feet, but then we need to then put it in practice. That the best students are the ones who take what their teachers give them and do it. Doing God's will. In Isaiah chapter 63, verses 11 through 14 uh, it's talking there about uh, the people in exile. Uh, Israel has been in exile for some years. And it says in, in chapter 63, then his people recalled the days of old, the days of Moses and his people, where is he who brought them through the sea with the shepherd of his flock? Where is he who sent his Ruach, his Holy Spirit among them? who sent his glorious arm of power to be at Moses' right hand, who divided the waters before them to gain for himself everlasting renown, who led them through the depths. Like a horse in open country, they did not stumble. Like cattle that go down to the plain, they were given rest by the Ruach, the Spirit of the Lord. This is how you guided your people 
to make for yourself a glorious name. Isaiah and all of Israel remember the good days, the days when God's Spirit guided them through the waters, guided them towards uh, the promised land, guided them into a place of rest, guided them through all of the things that they needed to be brought out of, that when they were like sheep without a shepherd or a horse in the open country and they didn't know where to go, the Spirit guided them. And they remember that. And as they recall it, they recall it with anticipation that the Spirit will show up and guide them again. This time not from Pharaoh to the Promised Land, but this time from exile back to their home, Jerusalem, where they long to be again near the temple, where they long to be able to give the offerings that, uh, that Jimmy was talking about earlier, where they could be close to God's presence, where the Spirit dwelt in the house of the Lord. What Isaiah 63 remembers, Exodus 35 uh, was talking about kind of there and live and in person. It says, Then Moses said to the Israelites, See, the Lord has chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah, and he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom and with understanding, with knowledge and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of artistic crafts. This is one of the most uh, interesting passages on what the Spirit is doing in the Old Testament to me, because we don't normally think of it in this, in this way. But what is being described to Moses and that Moses is then describing to the Israelites is that there are a certain number of craftsmen who are the greatest craftsmen that Israel has ever known. The greatest uh, art, artists, the greatest builders, the greatest sculptors that, the, the, that their nation has, has. And God calls them and he says, I want them to build my temple. I want them to build my house. And not only am I calling them with the skills that they have earned and practiced and developed, my spirit will come on them and will enhance the gifts that they already have. The temple of God was built by the hands of those whose ability was enhanced by the Spirit of God dwelling in them and working through them. It's no surprise then that when we get to the New Testament, Spirit starts to within the people of Jesus, the people uh, of, of the cross. That when the Spirit does that, it begins to give us spiritual gifts. Gifts like preaching and teaching of generosity, uh, of prophecy. It gives us gifts to do things that maybe we've already been honing on our own, but truly are enhanced by the Spirit growing them for God's good purpose, not to build a temple out of stone, but to build a church made out of people, a body that comes together with all the different spiritual gifts that have been given to us, that, that through us who have these Spirit-enhanced gifts, we do the things of Jesus, continuing his works in a world that is desperate to know what would Jesus do in a world like this? What would Jesus do? Well, the things that need to be done, the greater things than even Jesus did that he talks about in John chapter 14, that the church and those who have the spirit living in them, working through them, that need to be done today are not going to be easily picked out by reading the Gospels. It's often going to take us leaning into the reality 
that the Spirit has always come on God's people and given them the abilities and the courage to do that which needed to be done. In some ways, it, uh, it was in uh, other means. In fact, in Judges chapter 3, it talks about Othniel, the first of the judges. Um, kind of midway through the text there, it talks about the Spirit of the Lord came on him, talking about Othniel, this deliverer, military ruler, judge. The Spirit of the Lord came on him so that he became Israel's judge and went to war. The Lord gave Cushan Rishathaim, king of Aram, into the hands of Othniel, who overpowered him. And then later, uh, and more famously, Samson, as he approached Lehi, the Philistines came towards him shouting, and the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. The ropes on his arms became like charred flax, and the bindings dropped from his hands. And finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey, he grabbed it and struck down a thousand men. Othniel and Samson had the Spirit of God come on them and give them the power and strength and courage and might to do what God needed them to do to deliver his people from the oppression under which they were being ruled. We see again in each of those texts that the Spirit comes on his people and gives them that which they need in terms of their abilities, in terms of their strength, in terms of their courage to do that which God needs done for the sake of his creation and the sake of his people. It is an empowering spirit. Gideon, Jephthah, Saul also have this empowerment by the spirit, that the spirit comes on them and gives them the ability to win great conquests. And the last one that we need to talk about is the one that I think is the most relevant to the world that we're living in today. The world that we're living in today uh, is going through a situation that is not just unrest, but it's unrest that is driven by a strong sense that injustices are taking place in the world and that people need to do something about it. Uh, often we think of prophecies, and, and what we're going to be talking about for the next several minutes is the Spirit's gifting of the prophetic voice to the people of God. And often when we think about the the prophecies of the Old Testament, we think about them uh, like fortune tellers. Uh, we think of them as uh, prophets who were given a word from the Lord and they opened their mouths and the, the word of God came out of their mouths and it told the future. Uh, Unto you a Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. And so when later a little boy is born in Bethlehem, we say that prophecy is fulfilled in this boy's birth, this boy who will become Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the Christ. And that is true. Prophecies are that. But when you really go and read the minor and major prophets, the books in the Old Testament, uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Amos, they cry out for justice. They cry out for mercy. The primary function of the prophets in the Old Testament is not to be fortune tellers, like some science fiction book where the prophets come together and they, they give a saying, and now we look for the one that will fulfill that saying. They do fulfill that role in the telling of what both the Spirit and the Messiah will look like when they show up. That's all there. They have all of these teachings about what the kingdom of God will look like when it shows up in, in Jesus, and Jesus launches not just his, his reign as king, but he launches the kingdom that the church continues to live out 
today. But the prophets spoke hard truths to people who didn't want to hear them. They so often demanded obedience to God's laws, and they hated, hated injustice. And they would not stay silent when injustices were taking place. You know, this week, if you've been paying attention, I, I don't know where you could go that you might not have seen uh, the, the reaction to what happened to the killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis. But this week, we've heard and read the prophetic voice of the people of God across this country. People who have stepped in front of microphones, who have written letters, who have come together as communities, who have posted things online, and in all kinds of conversations have come together to declare that all human life must be respected. All human life must be cherished and honored and valued. There's all kinds of conversations coming together to declare that this must happen in more and increasingly better ways every day. That murder and racism have no place in God's just world. When we think about what the kingdom of heaven will be like, when Jesus returns and he calls us all home, there will be no murder, no hatred, no anger. There will be no racism. There will be no prejudice. And our job as Christians is to look at the world and everywhere that our world is in opposition to the kingdom that God is bringing into existence, we need to stand against that injustice. That's the prophetic voice of the Spirit. When George Floyd was, was killed and many people watched it, there were many who refused to stay silent, and they chose instead to write against it, to speak against it. And when we see this kind of injustice in the world, whether it's violence or racism or greed Whatever that evil is, the spirit that causes God's people to speak with the prophetic voice, and again, I'm not talking about telling the future, but I'm talking about the prophetic voice that condemns injustice in the past and the present for the sake of the kingdom in the future. That calling for us, we don't think about there being prophets in the church today because we don't have this fortune-telling uh, aspect of the Spirit coming into us and giving us the ability to prophesy what God is doing in the future because the reality is that the kingdom has already been inaugurated and the future, Jesus has already told us, you don't know when it's going to happen, but I'm coming back and I'm going to judge the world. That's what we need to know about the future. But the prophetic voice that cries against injustice and oppression and, and suffering and that shares with those who are going through suffering by joining with them and coming alongside them by standing up and giving voice to those that have no voice, that is the prophetic voice that the Spirit gives to his people in the Old Testament, and he gives it to Christians today. I want to show, share with you a couple of these passages from the prophets. In Micah chapter 3, verse 8, Micah the prophet says to the leaders of Jacob, talking about the people of God, the people of Israel, listen, you leaders of Jacob, you rulers of Israel, should you not embrace justice? You who hate good and love evil, 
who tear the skin from my people and the flesh from their bones, who eat my people's flesh, strip off their skin and break their bones in pieces, who chop them up like meat for the pan, like flesh for the pot. Mike is introducing this idea that Israel has become a people that do not value life, that embrace violence, that embrace all of the things that come when we stop valuing human life. A few verses later in verse 8 through 10, Micah says, But as for me, I am filled with power, with the spirit, the ruach of the Lord, and with justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgression, to Israel his sin. Hear this, you leaders of Jacob, you rulers of Israel who despise justice and distort all that is right who build Zion with bloodshed and Jerusalem with wickedness. Micah says, I've got to tell you the truth. Your injustice cannot stand, and it's a violation against God. And the Spirit comes into me and fills me with the power to tell you difficult truths. Nehemiah chapter 9, Nehemiah says, For many years, he's, Nehemiah is talking to God, you were patient with them by your Spirit. You warned them through your prophets, yet they paid no attention. So you gave them into the hands of the neighboring peoples. But in your great mercy, you did not put an end to them or abandon them, for you are a gracious and merciful God. The prophets have always had the Spirit working in them and through them, speaking difficult truths to the people of God when injustice reigns. And finally, the last text that we're going to look at today is from Zechariah 7, 8 through 12. And the word of the Lord came again to Zechariah. This is what the Lord Almighty said. Administer true justice. Show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the foreigner or the poor. Do not plot evil against each other. But they refused to pay attention. Stubbornly, they turned their backs and covered their ears. They made their hearts as hard as flint and would not listen to the law or to the words that the Lord Almighty had sent by his spirit through the earlier prophets. So the Lord Almighty was very angry. The Old Testament ends mostly with the prophets, and the prophets are warning the people and telling them that the world that you live in, the world that you live in, the prophets tell them over and over again, is a world that you have created because you have chosen injustice over the goodness and compassion and mercy of God. Uh, what we see instead is that, that God, by the end of the Old Testament, has left the temple, that while the people go back out of exile, they show up to an empty house. God's Spirit demands to be present in the world of people who are willing to speak evil is evil and good is good and justice is justice and God's mercy is our mercy and his truth is our truth. And anywhere in the world that we see racism and violence, it is the responsibility of the people who have the spirit in them to speak against that. Those who have the spirit of God dwelling in them it's our job to call out injustice when we see it. When we see people suffering, we come alongside them. 
and we join them in their suffering. This is the way of the prophetic voice of this Ruach, the Spirit of God. And I think it's important today that as we think about the world that we're living in, in this time of, of anger, in this time of suffering, and this time of injustice, that we recognize uh, that George Floyd wasn't one of them. George was one of us. It would be enough that to know that he was made in the image of God for, to say that, to say that he needed to be treated as if his life valued as much as any other life. But one of the other things that I want you to know about him and, and what part of this suffering that's going on in the world that we're experiencing right now is that George uh, used to tell people when he lived in Houston, if you're about God's business, then that's my business. There's an article in Christianity Today that talked about his role in mission and ministry and discipleship in Houston, uh, that he would help get the baptistry uh, to the, the, the evangelistic events that they had because he believed if the word of God was preached that people would respond. And he himself was someone who responded. A baptized believer who helped a number of Houston ministries. We've got to be careful as Christians that them and us is never defined by the way that the world defines them and us. That the people of God are our people in all their different variations, in all their different forms, and with all their diversity. And I am so thankful and blessed that at Northwest, we're a church family that has not as much diversity as I wish we had, not as much diversity as our neighborhood, not as much diversity as, as the kingdom of God, but we've, we're better than most, and that's something. And what it means is sometimes we've got to work a little bit harder to overcome tough conversations. Have the kind of conversations like Lee talked about on the lake where you speak truth to one another and listen compassionately, that you come alongside those who are suffering with love and empathy, that you are angry with those who are angry, that you declare injustice wherever you see it, that you speak God's truth to whoever needs to hear it. Condemning injustice in the past and the present for the sake of God's kingdom's future. It's what spirit people do. I mentioned earlier that many Christians celebrate today as Pentecost Sunday, remembering the event 50 days after the resurrection, where the Spirit came down like flames and allowed the apostles to proclaim the gospel in the languages of everybody in the crowd. In all the different languages of all the people from that entire region coming back to Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost, and they're able to present the gospel to them, and yet uh, four chapters later, they've got a prejudice problem. About two chapters after that, they've got another prejudice problem, and about four, five, and seven chapters after that, they've got another prejudice problem. Bringing people from diverse backgrounds together to be united in the body of Jesus Christ has been part of the difficult work of being Christian from the very beginning. But Jesus died on the cross to tear down the dividing wall, and the people filled with the Spirit must continue to tear that wall down every single day. And it's not going to always be easy. The first church struggled with it mightily. It's one of the major stories in Acts is how they had to wrestle with it again and again and again. But they could do it because they had the presence of God. They had a God who would guide them by his spirit. 
They had a God who created in the beginning, but continues to create anew in his people today and create in the creation as the entire universe groans for the revealing of the people who have the Spirit. Spirit guides, it leads, it sends, it equips. If you feel like you don't know what it is that you, you feel like you lack what it takes to do the difficult work of labeling injustices and justice and having tough conversations, we've got good news. Samson by himself is strong enough to kill a thousand Philistines. God's going to give you the power to do the things that you need to do to speak his gospel truth, to label evil as evil and good as good and mercy as mercy, to join with those who are suffering and do this work of being Jesus in the world, the body of Christ. The Spirit is no longer impersonal as it was in the Old Testament. It's deeply personal. The Spirit is no longer there. The Spirit is in here. The Spirit dwells in all of those who are in Christ as He is in the Father, sending the Spirit to dwell in each of us and also among all of us. What kind of things start to happen to those who have the Spirit within them? The indwelling of the Spirit shows up in the New Testament and in our lives today in ways that the Hebrew authors and writers and readers could never have hoped or imagined, in ways that we now know but often take for granted. To God, it's just the Spirit doing what the Spirit has always done in more personal, intimate, powerful, earth-changing ways than anyone ever hoped or imagined. May God bless you uh, this week as you go from this place, as we find new uh, and ever inventive ways to continue meeting together and being the people of Jesus. Um, We'll go where the Spirit guides us and be the people of the Spirit today and forever.
Participated these past couple of months in making these worship services very meaningful to all of us. I feel like we've all been fed, though we have not been able to be together. I think the Spirit has held us together and given us all growth and, and encouragement during these online Zoom services. We have quite a few prayer requests this morning, so I'll go over them uh, from Terry Lemons says, please pray for those in Brazil and Mexico who are suffering so much with the virus. <clears throat> that could probably be said for several countries outside of our own who are much worse off than we are, including the Honduras and even in Italy where our two, our brother and sister have joined us this morning. They have had it bad there. From Jan Welch, she asked that we please pray for her sister-in-law, Betty McAdams, and for her brother, Marshall. Betty was recently diagnosed with bone cancer. Uh, Beth and Amy Turner asked for prayers for their father, Harley, who will be beginning radiation treatment this week. He has a mass on the side of his head, very near to his eye, which is giving him vision problems. And we definitely wanna pray that the radiation will take care of this for him. From Chris Nussbaum, please pray for unity and solidarity within the church to have a voice on the racism that is still in the world. Give us the wisdom and patience to listen and hear what is being spoken both with words and without. Give us the courage and fortitude to stand and speak out against the injustice. Give us the love to stand alongside our brothers and sisters of color. pray for Michael Doherty, who is uh, healing from a recent hernia surgery that he had to have. And this caused Beth and Michael to have to go home early from their visit with the holes. So we want to keep Michael and Beth in our prayers on this front. And also, we want to continue to pray for 
brother, baby Archie, Archie Draper. He will be having open heart surgery sometime this week to repair his heart. And on top of that, mother Megan and father Preston uh, will not be able to be with him this week. Megan is being discharged today from the hospital and she will not be able to go back until the day of his surgery due to the quarantine uh, issues that they are having to abide by. So we want to pray for this family as uh, Archie has a very serious and delicate surgery coming up. I think I have covered everybody. I have numerous texts and notes and chat uh, notes that I made. I hope I got them all. So let's all go together to the Father in prayer on behalf of these. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your spirit that has been with us during these times of difficulty, of separation. We thank you for the unity that the spirit gives us. And we hope to mimic the example that Christ left us in seeing the world through the eyes of you, of him and of the spirit. <clears throat> we ask God that you would continue to keep this body safe from the pandemic that is so rampant at this time. And there are those who are also struggling with other physical ailments. Lord, we ask that you would be with Betty McAdams, with Harley Turner, as they battle the cancer in their bodies, help the doctors to take care of them and give them comfort and, and alleviate the sickness within them that would give them a healthy life, a normal life. We also ask your prayers on those in other countries outside our own who are suffering mightily with this. Dear Lord, help us to see beyond our own family, our own church, our own country, our own borders, that we are all in this together and we are not alone in, in our dealing with separation, with the anxiety, with the worry that this situation has caused among all of us. Dear God, we pray for the continued recovery of Michael Darty and for any others who are suffering at this time from physical ailments. Dear God, as we strive at this time to be spiritual and not to see things as carnal or outer, help us, Lord, to, to overcome, to be the followers of Christ we should be. Dear God, whether it's reference to race or color or beliefs or opinions help us lord to not see groups 
help us to not see certain people. Help us, Lord, not to see even just a family and to judge an entire group on ungodly and unlawful actions of just a few. Dear Lord, we know that you created us in your image and that the vast majority of your creation is good and loving and wanting to care and take care of their fellow man and woman. Help us, God, to be shining examples of that. Help us to take the spirit and show it to the world. We ask your continued love and care over us and for the group that will be meeting later this afternoon, keep them safe, be there in their worship service. And as we gather in your name and continue to, to fellowship and commune with you on this, the Lord's day, we ask that you would bless us all. In Christ's name we pray these things, amen. Before we close out this service, uh, I would like to recognize somebody. Betty, are you hearing me? Betty Massey? Okay, I get the, the acknowledgement from her. If I understand, Billy Berry, is she with you at this time? Or will she be listening? Go ahead and unmute. <laughs> Okay, we're not hearing Betty. Okay, there you go. She, she's on the phone listening to all of this. I have her on my phone listening. Okay, and my understanding is that after this week, uh, she may have trouble joining the worship service since we are going off of Zoom. We hope that maybe that can be rectified and she can continue to join us, even if it's just by audio. But at this time, I would like whoever is in control of that, whether it be Kent or Laura, to unmute the entire body here and give Billy a shout out. She can hear you. So let's all say. So you can all unmute yourselves. I can't unmute you anymore. So everyone unmute yourselves and say, I think Kevin wanted to say, we love you, Billy. We love you, Billy. We miss you, Billy. God bless you, Billy. So long. God bless you. Love you, Billy. She's open in the fridge. We love you, Billy. Yeah. Okay, in a moment. Hey, you had it. Well, 
I heard a bunch of times, you know, like, you know, I think I'm go bad or something. If it's something they can do, something about it, I One of my first thoughts is, well, I was going to see if we could see. There's Mama. Hi, Mama. I see your name. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my big head. No. Hello, Carrie. Hi, Bridget. Hello. Hi, Crazy. This is your neighbor down the street. Hi, neighbor. Mine's off. There we go. Hi, Carrie. Hi. So, did Megan have her baby? Yeah, they're not on. Yes, she had him 